Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I care to expand on that. Gosh, woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amrabi, and joined by my co-host, Jack Shields. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcast, Stitcher, Google Podcast, pretty much anywhere you get a podcast. Give us a five-star review because it makes us easier to find and just makes the podcast just a pretty great thing to do, so... I mean, it's Monday, Tuesday. Oh wow, it's Tuesday. Jeez, it is. Yeah, my week's been messed up. Labor Day, fucking everybody up. Really, for real. So, how's your how's your week been going then? It's been good. I mean, it's been pretty chill. I mean, we didn't publish anything on Labor Day because you know, in observance of Labor Day and stuff like that. So, we didn't do that. We anyway. didn't labor. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, labor. no labor. Yeah, it did not feel like working. But pretty good weekend. Yeah, it was pretty a good, solid. It was a great weekend. I mean, this is the first day. It got way hotter than it was supposed to with the true. game, though. That's, That's one true. thing. But that was okay. This is the first. It's what day you usually expect this time of year. Thursday. This is the first day since Thursday we haven't had a college football game on. Yeah, I'm Tuesday. getting the shakes. I mean, and then tomorrow's Wednesday, and the next day more football. Yeah, true that. Right. And so, like, we we have plenty to talk about today. Talking about the game. Talking about some recruiting stuff that actually broke while you're on the way here, and that I was about to write some stuff. We'll talk about it. He wasn't supposed to announce that quickly. Was I he? was not expecting him to announce that quickly, but he did. We're talking about Anton Harrison, who we'll get to later. We'll recap the Houston game and just talk about several other things. But first of all, I get to the game on Sunday, and the first thing I'm looking at is warmups. At first, I'm looking at who's taking first team reps on the offensive line. Because the rumor late in the week was mm, R.J. Proctor might start at left tackle, and it was just ended up him and Swenson just splitting, splitting snaps like they were like five. And snaps apparently apart. that's going to be continuing for yeah at least the foreseeable future, Definitely. which I have no problem with. And um, but the next thing I noticed is the quarterbacks tossing balls over the middle of a practice, and Jalen Hurts just completely blooded out. This man, red helmet, red jersey. Red socks, red tape, red shoes. I thought it looked pretty dope. Everything red but the pants. And Some people thought it was weird. I thought I it was really cool. I, I thought it, it was cool, yeah. The, the only thing that I was like, eh, was that the tape, it was actually just red and not crimson, so it kind of didn't match. But I thought it's what the thought was that counted. I thought it was really cool. It, did, it looked outstanding, I thought. But you have so many old people that are saying, well... Jalen needs to step in line. This is not a... Old not people a, are getting out of control within the <laughs> OU fan base. On the baby boomers on Facebook, good grief. They said, this is a team sport. You're not supposed to be an individual. And I'm thinking, like, Jalen is, like, the ultimate team guy. How the hell would you have a gripe? Of, I mean, good grief. <laughs> Look at that tape on his shoes. You better not wear tape. You better wear them old Nikes. Actually... How did he feel about Joe Washington wearing silver shoes? Yeah, right. I bet he loved it. Yeah. Nope. Better wear them old white shoes and Reeboks. New Balances. I bet they like New Balances. Yeah. The people complaining. Probably Skechers. That's their wheelhouse right there. But yeah, Jalen Hurts, everything red but the pants. It looked, oh, I thought it was really awesome. I liked, I liked that he had some flair to his game because at Alabama, you know, you're not really allowed to do that. You're not allowed to... 
you know, show like some flash with your uniform. Everybody's wearing the same exact themes, same same exact cleats, whatever. So he gets to express himself like that because he definitely doesn't express himself at the podium very well. Because as I was watching the presser today, I was just like, you are the son of a coach and you also were coached by Nick Saban for several years. I can tell you are programmed and you answer very, you answer in coach speak and it's very obvious. I mean, did you get a chance to see any of the pressers? Yeah, a little bit today. Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, fairly similar in tone to what you saw after the game on mm-hmm, Sunday, mm-hmm. which obviously you don't have an issue with the sentiment that he's putting right. forward, but at the same time, you have, you know, three years of Baker Mayfield who holds absolutely nothing back. Then you have Kyler who, he's obviously not as outspoken, but you can tell he's got a little cockiness to yeah. him. Probably more cockiness, at least internally, than Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. I would think. It sometimes comes across that way, which is cool. But, yeah, obviously a little bit of a shift like, with Jalen Hurts. If we're obviously. talking about motors or engines, Baker Mayfield's always running hot. Of course. Kyler Murray, you could always tell he, had some, he was always kind of spiked as far as, like, he, there was something arrogant about him. He was very, very confident. Um, he would only run hot after, like, a game like Texas or something like that when – Sam, he went to go shake his hand or whatever, and Sam Ellinger basically got in his face after the Red River shootout, rivalry, whatever you want to call it. And Showdown, so, whatever. Yeah, I don't even know what they call it these I days. I call it shootout. And um, you have a Jalen Hurts who he is just, he's running cool. He's going to be even. He's not going to get too high. He's not going to get he too low. He seems kind of pissed off. He's just very even keel and he, he seems like he, I, I don't know. It, it, he I can't get a hold. I can't get a grasp I, of it. I, I feel like we'll eventually get a grasp of it, but. For now, I feel like it's just so foreign. Because it's not just guys like Baker Mayfield who have been showing off their personalities on the podium or for the media. I mean, that's sort of been the program's uh, mode over the past few years, and we've enjoyed that. And obviously, Jalen is, you know, at a different speed. So, yeah, it's I mean, I don't have a problem with it, obviously. It's just a little foreign at this point. Yeah, Oklahoma's been Oklahoma has been spoiled with a Baker Mayfield for three years in a row, and then you have a Kyler Murray who he can say sometimes he can say some things sometimes, but he always walk into pressers with like these extravagant outfits on. Of course, the one with the tiger on it. Yeah, that always, was pretty always neat. great. And I mean, you have you have back back Heisman's, and then you have Jalen who's he's just gonna wear a button up. He's gonna be straight laced kid. And he's just gonna do. He looked pretty fresh walking into the game and at the post game. Yeah, that's true. That was, that was, I mean, we were super tight. That was nice. But um, going on going on talking about the Houston game, was there anything about that really before, after, during that surprised you about the game in itself? See, Houston's offensive line not great, and I expected Oklahoma's defense with Alex Grinch obviously stressing getting into the backfield with the defensive front. I expected them to have a little bit of success, create a little bit of destruction. I did not expect them to just kick him in the dick right out of the gate the way they did. I mean, that was really impressive. Yeah, Ronnie, How, how'd you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, Ronnie, Ronnie Perkins, Perkins was just a bamf the whole day. And then there's and all Kenneth those, Murray flying all over yeah, the place. Dude, he clotheslined like three that was guys. Great. You had, and then there's Gallimore a, was outstanding. There's I mean, a screen cap of Jalen Redmond, who, by the way. Has been in this position. He's they they put him inside like three weeks ago. He finally accepted this position like less than a month ago. A tackle, a defensive tackle. There's that screen. We were grab wondering of him. whether he would look the part. And he yeah. definitely did. And 
Houston was triple teaming this man. He still got to the quarterback. He still like got to the he he shoved the running back into the quarterback, which I think caused Derek King to fumble the ball, which they recovered. Houston recovered. Um, but it's just like that front four, that defensive front, that defensive front seven. Or six or whatever. Was, yeah, like, whatever you want to call it. It was good. It oh was, yeah. It was the I mean Jury's still very much out on the secondary, but Yeah, we'll see. Because yeah. I mean, they only passed for 160 something yards, and and the pressure had a lot to do with that. The pressure had a lot to do with it, and the main thing was Derek King. Alex Grinch would not let him get comfortable, and like there were several times in the game where um, he had to scramble upfield, and he did get that. And there was a couple times they had it like Mar- I think a stripling, and and Kenneth Murray had him dead to rights. And Derek King, he's an electric guy. He reminds me of Vince Howard from Friday Night Lights. He just like wiggled out of it and got up field. I'm like, okay, that's what an electric playmaker will do occasionally. And if that's the only time he does it during the game, okay, you got us. Good. Whatever. You got you got Oklahoma's you got him, whatever. Um, but when he's passing the ball, he hardly just had a clean pocket and just got to throw the ball. That's not what it was. It was just screens, screen screens and tunnel screens, get the ball out of his hands real fast. And otherwise, he was scrambling right. He was rolling right to get out of the pocket because the pocket just kept on collapsing. And even then, you had a Kenneth Murray, a Deshaun White spying him, and eventually that closing speed, my God, he would get rid of the ball. It would be an incomplete pass, but he'd still end up on his ass because Kenneth Murray's over there just planting him. It's really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I mean, and you know, if that defensive front and Alex Grinch were giving that many fits to De'Eric King, imagine what they're going to do to Dorian Thompson-Robinson in two weeks. Yeah, DTR, I'm really concerned. That is, uh, yeah, I'm concerned for his safety a little bit at this point. Because he is not... That offensive line is not good. booty juice. It is horrible. It's. I would say it's on... <laughs> not, nice little analogy yeah, there. Yeah, booty juice. That <laughs> makes you kind of uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> but... I'm very sorry. UCLA's offensive line, honestly, it seems might be a little bit better in Houston's. It's not that great. Not good. And uh, DTR is not the athlete as a uh, Derek King is. He's pretty athletic, but no, he's no Derek King, he's obviously, not. as a passer or a runner. Yeah, because, I mean, Dana Holgerson straight up told Derek King, was like, hey, I got tape on this guy from last year. His name's Kyla Murray. You ever heard of him? You're as basically as quick as him. I need you to slide. And it, when those times when he scrambled up the field, it reminded me. He was like, oh, my gosh, this kid is fast. Uh, that's the fastest guy. That's the most electric quarterback Oklahoma's going to see all year. Now, are they going to see other guys that can pass it better? Yeah, they will. But guys that can just get up field like that, uh, that's the last. Like That's the, that's the only guy they're going to see like that. So that was just a really surprising thing. That was just really good. Um, let's go on talking about it was a big recruiting weekend. Lincoln Riley put out three eyes, but there's actually kind of four guys out there right now. One of them's one of them's for later. Um, I'm not going to really talk about them by name, but we'll we'll talk about how it was a. I'll I'll put the emphasis on big. It was a big recruiting weekend. Um, do with it with those words as you will. Atmosphere of the game, fans was a whiteout. Lincoln Riley said that was the most fans that have been there, just for warmups since he's been in Norman. I was there. You were there. How was the atmosphere? Aesthetically. As cool as I've ever seen a crowd look. It's pretty neat. Way better than the striping. It was fantastic. We need to do that once a year, at least, every year. I don't care if... Like, Penn State obviously does it better than anyone else, yeah. and they're known for it, but they're not the only ones who do it. We might as well do it, too. I mean, it looks great. The fans enjoy it. It's impressive for recruits. 
Mm-hmm. As far as noise level, I mean, I've always kind of wanted it to be a little bit louder in that stadium. I have my opinions about, you know, OU fans sitting on their hands sometimes. Generally, as far as OU fans go, it was above average, yeah. I would say. It, it was good. I mean, Especially on defensive possessions. Defensive stops, yeah. they got into it. It was louder on the first three defensive possessions when they were three and outs than when Oklahoma scored their first couple touchdowns. I mean that, that that was just a fact, and but yeah, aesthetically it was it was pretty great. I was just like, you know, you'd see people walking in the stadium, and I see a red shirt. I'm like, God damn it! Did there you were not a get... lot of red shirts from OU fans, but it didn't ruin. Yeah, it from I was a just like, did photograph you perspective had, because like we found out it was going to be a whiteout Big Twelve Media Days, and I'm just thinking you had two months to prepare for this. You had two months to find it. Just get a Hanes white T-shirt that I, I'm wearing a Hanes white t-shirt right now jack across from me is wearing a white t-shirt right now wear just a white t-shirt and know you had nobody cares but people still wore red i saw a guy he just went the opposite direction he just wore a black ou shirt and i was like what what is wrong with you it's hot out why would you yeah do exactly anyway? but the atmosphere is great the fans are great um defensive possessions especially on third downs and the fourth down when they stopped them when oklahoma stopped them in the tracks that was great what about the atmosphere of the game, um, maybe for recruits? Did you feel like this was pretty much on par for a crowd performance as far as fans being loud, belligerent, obnoxious? Do you think it's on par, a little bit better? I would say on par to slightly better Okay. for recruiting weekends. I, I'm trying to think of the recent games where the crowd really arrived. Yeah. 2017 TCU is one that kind of comes mm. to mind. That was really loud. The Texas Tech game before that, where they were really stressing. Oh, yeah. putting That was the week that, like, Buki yeah. and guys like that were in town, and that kind of turned the tide for that a lot of people. That was the Bring the Ruckus weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and they did a good job with playing different music and getting the crowd amped up and stuff like that. I don't think they've done it since. Mm-mm. I don't know why they don't. There have been plenty of night games since then. I don't know why they don't just don't do it. Maybe some old people complained. Yeah. That sounds like something that would have happened. Yeah. But in OU's first know. games, first three games of the year, all night games. Mm-hmm. Of course, the third one's in Los Angeles. But I'll be there. I can't wait. You know, I, uh, my dad called me today, and I might be going to Los Angeles. So I might be in the Rose Bowl. Today. Nice. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I just uh, might have to take off work, and that might be an issue, but. You know, we'll see what happens. You, you know? only live once. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's Yo true. Well. But we can see it's a big recruiting weekend. And again, I'm emphasizing the word big. Uh, Lincoln Riley sets out three pairs of eyeball emojis. And there's really kind of four guys out there that Oklahoma stuff are looking at. One of them committed today, Anton Harrison. Offensive tackle. He plays, he plays a lot of left tackle from D.C. Four-star kid. Um, the number 20 guy in his and the number 28 offensive tackle in the class, top 250 kid in the United States. Very talented, very strong, hands of stone. Think he projects more as a guard than a tackle? I don't think his feet are quick enough. I think he's more of a guard. I think he's a guy that's a puncher. I think he's a guy that's going to be right next to the center that really just punishes people. I don't think he's going to be a guy that pulls a lot. Yeah, I don't think I don't think his feet are that quick. But, I mean, Oklahoma... With the recent commitments in eyeball emojis, um, Oklahoma, I'm just going to say that they've needed defensive linemen in this weekend. Boded, bode, bodes, boded, 
bodacious? I don't know. Well, we're, anyways, the weekend went well for that as far as <laughs> defensive linemen are concerned. And one is a name, I'll say, um, Arinze from St. Louis area. He has been a name that we've been talking about for a long time. As far as well, Calvin Thibodeau's got the connections out he, there as well. well yeah, when so. does he commit? We thought maybe he he would commit a, a month ago. You know, it just it seemed like an any day now thing. It seemed exactly like a shit or get off the pot kind of moment. And I'm not saying he is committed or anything, but I'm saying he was there, and it th- this was kind of a moment for him that if he did not leave committed, uh, Oklahoma would likely have to move on. So it seems as if he might be one of the guys in the fold, and. Um, you know, a couple other big guys, Aaron Parks might be a name to mention because Jonah Monheim, for the longest time, we thought again, oh, he's in OU's fold completely. And he was a pair of eyeball emojis from Lincoln Riley. And he decided to delay that commitment publicly. And then, as we saw, committed to USC. And Oklahoma had to move on from him. And, of course, they, they took in Anton Harrison today, who's a four-star guy. And only they have another guy that's coming in, offensive lineman that that's committed, and we'll respect his stuff as far as them them committing publicly. But we will respect his decision. Yeah, and uh, f- so four linemen in the trenches, and as we know, Lincoln Riley understands that you build in the trenches, life is going to be good for you uh, for your skill positions because they've already got the skill guys. What this also means is OU is doubling down on the trenches and skill guys and not taking a quarterback for this 2020 class. And they're going to rely on maybe, hopefully, Tanner Mordecai staying after one year and Cade Horton, who is committed to play baseball for OU for 2020, but will be a preferred walk-on for the football team as well. And he's a quarterback right now at Norman High. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So the hope is Tanner Mordecai stays around. Boy. For one more year, at least. This this seems risky, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does. And, but, I mean. It's also hard to bring in a 2020 quarterback at this stage, so. Yeah, I mean, unless At they, least one that's up to par and worthy of taking a scholarship at the position. Exactly. Because so. I feel like they're not going to, if they haven't found one that they liked by now that's just worth committing because they've they found several but they just never got their way because you know spencer rattler's there brock vandergriff is there who really wants to come and be just exactly a, no a one wants to be guy. a justin fields like exactly. i mean who, who has to end to up going there? somewhere else and so it could easily be a guy that's a juco you know two for two kind of sort of guy that wants to be in oklahoma and wants to win a ring as far as a, cha- a big 12 title game or something like that who knows um but that's what it's looking like right now but um Oklahoma versus the South Dakota Coyotes. It is Coyotes. We have confirmed this Saturday. So yeah, it's it feels like a short week, and it, it really is because like Labor yeah. Day is Monday, the game was Sunday, so it just quick turnaround because tomorrow's Wednesday, a week's about halfway over, and then you have football Thursday night again, and then I'm, I'm having trouble I mean, processing it, but I'll I'll figure it out. I'm from Moore, so the Moore War is Friday, and then ah. I'm currently, you know, in Norman working working in Norman. So then the Norman versus Norman North game is that Thursday. So it's Thursday, Friday, and then OE football on Saturday. So I'm a plus you the NFL starting Thursday um, night. Yeah, man, it's a yeah. lot of a lot of good stuff happening. And so this game is at six o'clock, which is great. 
six o'clock pay per view against uh, Just South wait Dakota. For the complaints. I mean, it, it. I get maybe they already got that out of the way. The complaining about the pay per view. I could see. I mean, but to me, the pay per view. It, it, it's a rite of passage every year. The pay per view for South Dakota. That makes sense. Oh, of course. Pay per view for Army. Okay, that's too much. I feel like pay-per-view for Army, that's ridiculous. Yeah, Army everyone fin- thought that FAU was going to be good, so TV yeah. picked it up. So, And Army ended up winning like 10 games that year. Oh, yeah. And they beat the hell out of Houston. 70 to 14. And uh, Thrashing. for the next year, Oklahoma has Tennessee, which is looking really interesting because Tennessee just lost to, was it Georgia? Was it Georgia State? Georgia? Yeah, Georgia State, the one in essentially downtown Atlanta. And then they play at Turner Field. That's that one's a Norman, and then Oklahoma would go to West Point next year, which would be interesting, very intriguing. But um, the spread is Oklahoma by thirty six and a half. The over and the under is seventy eight and a half points. Um, you taking the spread? Are you taking Oklahoma? I'd take Oklahoma with the spread. I'd take the under though. You take the under. I would take the under just because I don't know how much South Dakota is going to score against this defense. That's I agree with that. I was looking at that number. I feel like seventy nine is too high. I, I think Oklahoma. Do I think Oklahoma can score sixty three? I do. Oh, of course, yeah. But do I think they're gonna they're gonna be running the ball in the second yes. half though? Do I do I because th- they're gonna be offensive line practice all day? Yeah. And I don't think South Dakota scores any more than two touchdowns. I don't think Oklahoma will let them. I don't. I don't think South Dakota's that talented enough, anyways. And I'm just gonna take a moment to say. Uh, Seth Olivares, who is a contributor to the Crimson and Cream Machine website, owes me Whataburger because we had a bet during the Houston game. As leading up to the Houston game, as I said, Oklahoma would not cover. And for a while during the game, it became a, a situation where Oklahoma would be up by 25, then by 18. So it became a match of will the Sooners Just cover or that not? Line. Yes, will they cover or not? And they did not. So, Seth, you owe me Whataburger. Um, I like the toast with the chicken uh, in between with lots of barbecue sauce. So the honey barbecue chicken strip sandwich. It's amazing. That's I, I see. I do that too, but I get it on the toasted bun instead of the Texas toast because mm. it stays together a lot better. There's less Good point. seepage of the barbecue sauce. I didn't expect to say seepage, seepage on yeah. this After podcast you said tonight. Booty but juice too. Yeah, getting a little graphic up. Booty in here. juice and seepage. But, uh, it's the name of the podcast. I would now. say. <laughs> But I would say my go-to order typically, and when I'm going to Whataburger, it is no holds barred because it's usually, <laughs> you know, in a certain situation. But I go with double bacon cheeseburger, ketchup only with the fries, the combo there. Then I also get a honey butter mm. chicken biscuit, that sounds great. which is delicious, and then also a potato taquito that's how i go with it it's it's an expert order i don't mind saying but (laughs) you you, every all i mean every sensation is represented there sweet and savory it's fantastic i have to you know oh of course um we have some that goes without saying we have some twitter things and uh, somebody just they didn't ask me a question they just told me to make fun of the prairie report and his his real name is matt peary and I'm just going to talk about Matt's bet with me. He said if he got to 2,000 followers before game day, he would get a tattoo of Sam Ellinger on his body. And he got really, really close. He, he didn't make it, though? He didn't make it, and I was really upset. Yeah, but here's the thing. 
he, he wouldn't have done it. He anyway. wouldn't have done it. He said he said it's, it's like explicitly. the poop guy. He said dog poop guy. If he gets so if he gets very close to two thousand, he's gonna start blocking people so he doesn't actually get to two thousand. That's, I was that's like, smart. Actually, I was like, that's weak. That's that's smart. I think so weak. But there's that. That so, way you don't have to deal with backing out or whatever. Yeah. So Matt Peary, you are a pansy. But this one is from at C Pembroke seven five eight nine. They said, how much do we uh, correlate the drop in the fourth quarter to the number of players? I imagine that drop off on the defense. Uh, in the fourth quarter to the number of players Grinch tried to see live in action. That's a fair question. I think so. What do you think? I think you. Would I think there's a little bit to it. I think it's a definite correlation. I mean, it was 42 to 17. And, I mean, they, they rotated in. I think I... I think Lincoln Riley said it today. They rotated in like twenty-three guys. Yeah, the, those last few drives, it was mostly second, and third stringers. So I mean, the off now offensively, the offensive line stayed in for the whole game, but yes. defensively, there was a lot of Mexican matching there. So I mean, I, I don't mean, think you can attribute all of it to that because yeah. a lot of those guys are going to be regular contributors, right? And that's where Alex Grinch said it kind of was his fault as as far as the mindset. And um, at the same time, that's where Alex Grinch comes in earlier, way earlier in the season and says, I like the 11 guys. He didn't say he likes the 11 guys, but he says, I'm concerned about having 22 guys playing at a high level. He was worried about the depth. So, I mean, the depth is kind of an issue right now. Uh, he said he's not worried about the depth per se as far as they, the, the second guy suck, just that he doesn't know if the 22 can play at a high level consistently together. And I think that's a fair, I think it's a fair assumption. Now, at the same time, Oklahoma missed two field goals. Uh, Jay- <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of concerning. Yeah, Jay- Jalen Hurts fumbled the ball twice, once which was in the red zone, almost in the red zone of Houston. That was kind of an outlier for him, though. That's usually not a concern with and him. And then Oklahoma, they punted once. And you take like half of those things away, and Oklahoma wins 56 to 17. And uh, then people aren't talking about this right now. But uh, what they should be talking about is the kicking game. And that was the very last question asked to Lincoln Riley in Big 12 Media Days. And he's like, oh, yeah, nobody's asked me this question. It's a glaring issue. It's even like something as small as not. And it's not that small, I guess, you know, not kicking the ball through the end zone yeah. like Cybert did every time. We've become so accustomed to that, obviously. It's like five yards Typically, out. yeah, about three yards out usually. Yeah. And, you know... Sutherland, you could tell he did have an adequate leg for some of those field goals, but at the same time, how long of a leech are you going to give him? I mean, are you going to go to Burkic next in the next game? I mean, or do you right. let Sutherland kind of figure it out in his head or something like that? How long of a leash do you give him? How many more opportunities does he get? It's it's a good question. I mean, you wouldn't want to send out your you probably don't want to send out your brand new kicker to kick a forty nine yard field goal. I mean, that, that's something that I wouldn't do. I mean, but at the same time, the chip shot, like the 33-yard field goal before half, I got to kind of make that. Yeah, of course. Um, so that's the first thing I noticed, though, at the game. The kickoff, I was like, oh, that thing is short. Oh, he caught that like three yards in front of the goal Fortunately, line. the kick coverage was pretty was damn great. good. Yeah, Trajan Bridges was good. The Beamer effect there. So that's something that's kind of concerning, but we'll see. I mean... They're still tinkering with a lot of things, special teams and defense. Um, the next question comes from at NYYNKS. Uh, not sure what that is for. NYYNKS288. 
Chick-fil-A or Popeye's. Have you tried the new Popeye's chicken sandwich? I have not. I haven't tried it either, but I I need to. I I, I do generally like Popeye's yeah. though. Not more than Chick-fil-A, but it, it's their fries are pretty good, yeah. I think. Their biscuits are good. I went to Popeye's uh after I was taking a, a break while getting tattooed because I needed to eat. And because if you don't eat, you have anything in your body, you're going to pass out sometimes. So I was like, yeah, let's go get some Popeyes because it's right down the road. And they were really rude to me through the drive-thru. They're like, they're really mean. Like, what you want? I was like, uh. It wasn't any my pleasure happening there, there was, was it? There was no pleasures happening anywhere. And uh, they're like, what you want? And I was like, I said what I wanted. And I was like, okay, I get a sweet tea. And like, sir, what do you want to drink? I was like, uh, tea? Like, sir. I need to know what you want. I was like, okay, uh, I don't, I don't want to shout back at her, but it was just a really awkward and unpleasant situation. Reminds but, me of and then from uh, Dude, yeah, where's my car? Yeah. Except they were really angry at me. So, but it's still good food. But I just need to try that Popeye's chicken sandwich. You know, I've heard obviously heard good things about I've heard it. Good things. But see, even if that is better than Chick Fil A's chicken sandwich, I don't usually get the chicken sandwich at Chick Fil A. I'm a Nuggets man. Their Nuggets are the bomb with Chick-fil-A sauce. I, I get the Nuggets of Polynesian. That sounds good, too. It's great. But Chick-fil-A sauce, you can't go wrong with it's true. that. It's true. It, it is the best sauce on earth, I think. But, yeah. It's fantastic. I, so, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, for now. And then I'll try the Ch- Popeye's chicken sandwich. But right before we go to a break, after it, we're joined by Brian Henschen from Sioux Falls Argus Leader. I called him Hank during... See, now I've just received confirmation that both of those names are okay. okay it's interchangeable, yes. he says. I, I called him Hank during our interview about South Dakota, but he's going to call himself Brian. It's okay. It's the same person. Now I don't feel as bad that you gave me confirmation, but here's a break from our sponsors. All right, today, guys, we are joined by Hank Henschen from the Sioux Falls Argus Leader, talking about South Dakota, 6 p.m. this coming Saturday in Norman, Oklahoma. Hank, right out of the gate, we need to clear something up really quick, quickly. Is it coyotes or coyotes? It is coyotes, and they get very offended if you get it wrong, let me tell you. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like North Dakota State is with the bison, or oh, yeah. Boise yeah. State is with Boise. Kind yeah. of one of those it's things. So weird. I don't know. The bison, the bison. Exactly, yeah. The two worst things you can do is call the USD, the Jackrabbits from the South Dakota State, and their arch nemesis are calling coyotes. Those are like the two like cardinal sins in South Dakota. Gotcha. Sounds good. Uh, now, people obviously aren't expecting too much of a test from South Dakota for Oklahoma this week, but within the landscape of the FCS and within the Missouri Valley Conference, how good are the Coyotes supposed to be this season? It's hard to say. I think it. I think expectations are about middle of the pack. They have a chance to make the playoffs and then get to seven wins. Um, the weekend loss to Montana honestly put a big damper on their opportunity to get to seven wins just because that Missouri Valley is so difficult. You saw Northern Iowa almost upset Iowa State. Indiana State probably should have beaten Kansas over the weekend. So obviously that top tier of the conference is really good. It's just a matter of uh, if, if South Dakota can steal one of those games, be it against their rival South Dakota State, for Indiana State, one of those two games, and then make sure that they beat up on teams like Missouri State, Southern Illinois, Western Illinois. They have a chance to make the playoffs, um, but they're really just kind of stuck in the middle, I'd say, of the MVFC. And for fans who aren't really familiar with FCS football, how would you really describe the level of passion that surrounds 
South Dakota football, the program of the Coyotes, and what's the the atmosphere in like inside the Dakota Dome? The Dakota Dome sounds lit. Yeah, it sounds really cool. It it's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's really interesting in South Dakota. Um, USD kind of has like the professional schools. There's a lot of people who come in from like out of town, like Nebraska and Iowa, and that sort of thing to go to med school, go to law school, what have you. And then they kind of leave, and they don't necessarily stay as supportive of the athletics. The fans that they do have are super passionate, and they, they get involved in everything, and they're super supportive. The students are kind of hit or miss. Um, to be honest, I think they're trying to up their game this year with a lot of different things. Um, it's just kind of a, a tough situation it has been for USD getting to Division One and getting getting the fan support going. I mean, their basketball teams are – the women have been are one of the best mid-majors in the country – and maybe NCAA tournament last year is an at-large team, which is a huge deal. And still their fans support kind of last, which is surprising for this area where women's basketball is really big. Um, the same thing goes for the men, even when they're having going on their run a couple of years ago with Matt Mooney, um, who obviously just led Texas Tech to the national championship game. Um, right. Even then the support really wasn't there. Um, so it's kind of hard to say. I don't want to, I don't want to wreck on them too badly. Um, but I know that their athletic director I talked about this summer, he's expecting more. And they're trying a lot, a lot of different things to get that fan support going and to kind of match it um, of what it is, you know, like a North Dakota State or even like a North Dakota um, and South that Dome. But the Dome is a cool place. It, this year it's a weird thing because the west side of the thing is torn out and it's just like concrete on that other side. So it's a really weird kind of surreal view. Um, but next year it's going to look pretty sweet when they get in some Lowe's box and some, some better lights and a better sound system in there. Now, uh, it's obviously common for FCS schools to head to places like Oklahoma and take a really nice payday. And sometimes that payday situation kind of backfires for the FBS school. But uh, what is the typical attitude or mindset of a fan base like South Dakota's heading into a game of this nature? Honestly, this is the first time that I've covered a game from this angle. I covered Mizzou for a little bit, so I got it from the other side, you know, like you guys are coming from. I think when I look at this game, I'm I'm not really concerned about the final score because I'm going to be shocked if it's close enough at halftime that US, or that Oklahoma leaves its starters in beyond the first half. So when I look at these games, you just sort of look for specific areas. Like for USC, it's their offensive line and how they hold up and the defense, which is really good against the run last week against Montana, but was just absolutely horrible against the pass and kind of got beat up a little bit through the air. So it's that sort of things that I pay attention to versus the final score. For fans, I feel like, you know, the opportunity to go to Norman and watch your team play against a, a potential national championship program and a Heisman Trophy candidate in Jalen Hurts, you know, and everything else that goes on there at Norman, I think is an awesome opportunity. I know it's certainly something that I'm looking forward to. Um, so I think if you're a fan, maybe you take it more from like the, the pop and circumstance and the experience more so than, you know, the team on the field. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think that's really fair. I mean, I think everybody's just praying for like no injuries on both sides of the ball. And but transitioning from less football talk to more about, you know, what's some fun facts about the state of South Dakota or maybe even the University of South Dakota that Oklahoma people like us should be aware of. So I consulted a friend on this one and she gave me two of the best facts that I've ever heard. We're one of only two states to eat the state bird, which is um, the pheasant. Pheasant hunting is huge out in South Dakota and apparently it's the state bird too. So they eat the state bird. And cattle actually outnumber South Dakotans roughly four, or it's four point three two to one, which is, which is oh the biggest God. cattle to human ratio in the nation. 
<laughs> I promised I'd bring heat here, boys, and I hope that I delivered. <laughs> I've been to South Dakota a couple times, and the only thing I remember is just like a lot of land, a lot of motorcycles, and a lot of like of the Black Hills. So, like they're hills, but like in Oklahoma, they would be considered mountains. That's all I remember about South Dakota. I will say you this: got- South Dakota is so much better than North Dakota as far as driving it's through true. it. North true. Dakota is just ass; like it is horrible. <laughs> I, oh, I'm sorry, sure. North Dakota people, but it's it's booty. Oh yeah, it's better than that. It's definitely better than that shithole Kansas for sure. I mean, nothing good come out of Kansas. <laughs> yeah, the Missouri guy could say that. I feel like you know, in Iowa. There you go. But you, would you expect nothing less. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know how it is. Um, but no, I think. You guys got uh, you got the good side of the state, though, the west side where all the hills are. It's really pretty out there. And Sioux Falls, where I live on the east side of the state, which is also where USC and SDSU are, it's a lot more flat. And there's more bigger cities, but it's a lot less scenic and, and not quite as fun, I'd say. How would you best describe <laughs> life in Vermilion, South Dakota? Mm, I haven't had the good fortune of living in Vermilion. And uh, just to not upset anybody, I better refrain from answering that. Uh, I think it's a fun college town, though. You know, kind of, they got some cool-looking dorms there. I've never actually been in a downtown Vermilion. Um, you know, I think it's a good college town. Maybe not to the level of a Mizzou or a Fargo, obviously, but it's a nice town nonetheless. I feel like there's a lot of plaid being worn in Vermilion. <laughs> it, it seems right. I think... I, in Vermilion, it reminds me of, uh, I, I know Pokemon had a Vermilion City. Oh, I wonder right. if it was <laughs> somehow right. loosely based off of Vermilion, South Dakota. I'd like to think so. I would like to believe that too. Like maybe like when they were making it, they just started like throwing darts at a map or something like that. And it just happened to hit Vermilion, South Dakota. I don't know. All right. That would Vermilion be it is. Uh, yeah. All right. Hank, I've been to Mount Rushmore. And to me, honestly, it was underwhelming. Have you been? Have you been in Mount Rushmore? Oh yeah, and I think I, just, I think that's actually the same the same sentiment of people that live out there too. They're like, people yeah, are like, you doing on? And people who live out there, whatever. In movies, <laughs> it seems so much bigger, but then you actually get to the actual site, and you're like, well, that's cool, I guess. But I mean, in your four years in South Dakota, have you developed a who is who on maybe? The Mount Rushmore of South Dakotans or people you've worked with down up there, I guess. Not really down there. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have. I had some time to think about this one. There were there were there are some big name athletes actually come out of South Dakota. I was kind of surprised I got here. Mike Miller, the NBA player who's now a assistant coach at Memphis. Um, he's from Mitchell, South Dakota, which if you ever heard of the Corn Palace, it's the world only corn palace. It's a beautiful building covered in corn. I have really check it out. Yeah. Um, Adam Vinatieri, the Patriots kicker, is uh, a South Dakotan. He went to uh, South Dakota State. Uh, Jim Langer, who played for the Dolphins, is an NFL Hall of Famer. I think he might be the state's only until Vinatieri gets in. Um, he is from South Dakota. He's played at South Dakota State. And then Becky Hammond, too, the uh, Spurs assistant coach, is uh, from Rapid City, actually. So we got we got a few, and we have some guys in the FCS as well. How much do people in South Dakota hate North Dakotans? So much. So much. I think it's more so against North Dakota. I think North Dakota State, you almost get a little begrudging respect, you know, because they're so freaking good at football. But, yeah, you know, they don't really care for them very much. It's not quite as heated as South Dakota and South Dakota State, but it's still, it's still a lot of disdain there. I remember being – because that's where I stayed at in South Dakota was in Rapid City. And I remember them, like, having a really crappy day – 
and it was a lot of snow just everywhere, just like it usually is up there. And like, well, mm-hmm. today's really shitty, but we could be living in North Dakota, so it's not that bad, I guess. <laughs> and that it's was just true. like that was my introduction in South Dakota. Yeah, at least there's things to see and do in South Dakota. You know, North Dakota, I mean, what is it? There's Fargo, and that's it. And even Fargo, yeah. go to Sioux Falls or Rapid City, and you get it. See, even the majority of the movie and the TV series Fargo is not set in Fargo. That's yeah. how bad North Dakota is. <laughs> that's good. right. That's right. They took the one good thing and pulled, took it away from them. That's a good point. <laughs> All right, Hank, I have one more question for you before Jack gives you some rapid-fire questions. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. I said, all right, so Oklahoma currently favored by 36 and a half. Do the Coyotes beat the spread? No. I don't, yeah. I might be, (laughs) yeah. I might be, I might be, yeah, I don't know. Somebody tweeted at me today, like, this is a trap game. Bullshit. I don't (laughs) watch Oklahoma. I watch, I watch Oklahoma against, can I swear, can I drop like an F-bomb here? Yeah, good. Like, yeah, they, of course. I mean, I watched Oklahoma just beat the fuck out of Houston. You know what I mean? Like, they should have won that game by more. And I said, you know, if oh, USC is within whatever it was at halftime, what was it like seven, eight, eight, nine points or something like that? If USC can do that mm-hmm. and keep it close like that, even after a quarter, I think that, that that should be considered a monumental win. Because honestly, I think from Oklahoma's perspective, this is one of those games that you don't want to dick around at all. You just want to get in there put up your points, get your starters out of there, just to, like you guys said before, just to keep everybody healthy. I think that's what's best for them, and honestly, that's probably what's best for South Dakota, too, so that their guys aren't out there getting destroyed by, you know, full-grown juniors, seniors, and the, the NFL-quality talent that Oklahoma has out there. Probably better to get into some of the freshmen and underclassmen that won't see as much time this year. Um, but, yeah, there's I just can't see any scenario, unless Oklahoma's defense just has a really bad night and the offense turns it over a few times. There's, there's no way USC is covering that spread. All right, fair enough. Rapid fire time. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. What's your favorite city in South Dakota? Ooh, Sioux Falls. Who wins the FBS national championship this season? Georgia. Ooh, not yeah, a horrible I couldn't call. Bring my, couldn't bring myself to pick Alabama. I'd sound too much like a homer if I pick Mizzou. <laughs> who wins the FCS national champion this season? Probably North Dakota State. It'll be North Dakota State James Madison again. Okay, cool. If you had to fight a thousand duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck, which would you choose? Ooh. I think a thousand duck-sized horses. See, that's the most common answer, but then I come back with they have their hooves and they're right at the, they're right at your uh, shins, and that's actually, gonna. The, how awful is that? Actually, as the words are coming out of my mouth, I was thinking about that. Like those little guys still have their legs; they can still kick the shit out of you. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Some chompers. That's a good too, question. Though. Oh, I course. like that one. Now, finally, what's the best bar in Vermilion? Ooh. I actually have never been to a bar in Vermilion. I'm really sorry for being so bad at that. It's all good. Wh- which question. bar in Vermilion have you heard is the best? I actually don't know that either. I'm sorry. I really am <laughs> shitty at this. How, how, far, <laughs> how far is Sioux Falls from Vermilion? So it's about an hour south. Um, and so I actually just took up the job covering USD 
in the middle of basketball season last year. There was some layoffs and stuff. So in January, this January, January 2018, I took over for USD. So this is my first time doing football and bouncing out high school sports. I actually haven't had a chance to explore the bar scene too much in, in Vermilion. Well, let us know how it goes. Yeah, the real question is, what do the students do after the football games? Or after the basketball games, I guess. I think they just go out and get trash. You know, they have the dorms. I'm sure there's stuff downtown, (laughs) bars and that. I have friends who went there. They USD, though, they know how to party. I'll give them that. That's what I've heard from everybody there. I've talked to buddies who went there. Everybody says that they know how to party, and they can party the hell out of anybody. Well, damn, we're going to have to challenge them yeah. when they come to town. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Cause I know what they do for fun, man. They they can go hang out out in the middle of nowhere, shoot shotguns, and drink, you know, <laughs> trash themselves, and the cops don't even care. They're like, okay, well, as long as you're safe. Hey, Carry as long as you're not driving, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, for, for real. Um, Hank, thank you so much for coming on with us. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Absolutely. Um, you can find all my stuff on Um Follow me on Twitter. I like to think I'm a halfway entertaining follow. Uh, Brian underscore Henshin. That's H-A-E-N-T-H-E-N. Um, and yeah, those are the best avenues. I'm, it's my first time going to Norman, Oklahoma. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be it's gonna be a really cool scene. Tommy, where should we tell them to go to eat? Oh, man, there's there's so many places. i tell you what, uh, Diamond Dogs is a good one. Diamond Dogs. On campus corner. Good. Uh, okay. Tarahumara's is good. Yeah, Tarahumara's, yeah, is outstanding it's Mexican great. food. Uh, Greek House, you, it's cash only, but it's oh, the best yes. Greek food I've ever the had. Greek House is great. And if you haven't tried a Hertz Donut, I mean, if you're out late, might as well get a Hertz Donut. Too. Yeah, that's on Campus Absolutely. Corner. And it well. will be open. It will be open late on Campus Corner. That's true. I was I was just gonna ask you guys, where's a good bar too that we can hit up Friday night when we get in? Ooh, oh, I would say there. Well, now that Logie's has the yeah. second, yeah, Logie's would be the one because it has a second deck now. It's pretty legit. Okay. It's kind of an annoying crowd. I'll give you that. But <laughs> if you're trying to get like the kind of, and also 747, those are the two mm-hmm, big ones on mm-hmm. Campus Corner. And also, O'Connell's isn't too bad. O'Connell's too, but and for live music, it's the deli. Yeah. The deli, deli is okay. fantastic for live music. Yeah, I mean, pretty much you're gonna find several places on Campus Corner and just choose one of them, and you'll yeah. likely you'll likely be in a good spot. Yeah, there's plenty of stuff. Yeah, that sounds sweet. But thanks for coming on, and I really hope everybody treats you all well when you come down here. And appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely, boys. Thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. All right. This Saturday, it's against an FCS opponent. What are you trying to get out of this game against the Coyotes? No injuries for one. That's my number one. And then one. you want to see Spencer Rattler's arm in action in person. Yeah. Which obviously we're expecting very big things out of that. But, I mean, granted, he's going to be the third quarterback to come into the mm-hmm. game. How much will OU be throwing the football at that point? Probably not much. Shouldn't be much. Um, but, yeah, my number one and really my only one is don't get hurt. Yeah. Don't get anybody hurt. And I think it's funny that Brian mentioned that. He's like, same same for South Dakota. Because they have nothing to gain here. from this yeah. either. I mean, this is just kind of a, this is a payday. filler for both teams yeah. and a payday for them. So, I mean, that that's all I'm trying to get out of this game of the Coyotes is don't get hurt. You're going to see offensive line practice all game. You're, you'll are you probably see Jalen Hurts be done at half. You might see the starting offensive line be done Maybe two and a half quarters just to get more reps in because the more you get in reps, the the better it is. You'll probably see Proctor and Swenson in there all game just seeing who's going to do better. 
but that's that's really it. It's just getting reps in, especially for the young guys. Uh, so really nothing to gain from this game other than just get out of there alive, make sure nobody tears anything, be safe in your reads, and be safe for the way you're playing. That's that's about it. Um, I think that's fair to say we can just move on to the Houston recap, right? Let's do it. <laughs> Thoughts on the defense, uh, front to the back. So defensive line, linebacker, secondary. What are your thoughts? Defensive line probably gets an A or an A minus. They they were when it mattered, they were constantly disrupting Houston. Were able to get yeah. into the backfield the whole time. We're stuffing the run. Ronnie, they tried to they tried to block Ronnie Perkins with a tight end several times. I don't get it. Not gonna work. No, not a, not even in Big Twelve play. Not gonna work. So I don't know what they were thinking, but that's what they did. What about the linebackers? I mean, you saw what Kenneth Murray did, obviously. <laughs> Guy's fast. Deshaun, jury's still out on Deshaun White and Ryan Jones. I mean, they showed some flashes. Ryan but, Jones played well. Yeah, Ryan Jones did some good things. So he, it, it looked like did, he earned that or. I think, yeah, of course. I mean, who going forward, who were you thinking there? Ryan Jones looked pretty good. Deshaun White had, he wasn't necessarily horrible, but he I mean. Didn't he didn't jump off at the yeah, page, he I mean. didn't. Um, that's where the next two weeks come into come into mind, and we'll see or, what happens. Or the game two weeks from now, of course. But like, and, but uh, yeah. then secondary, obviously, the jury's still out. Yeah, because the dumb front, penal- the dumb front penalties. seven creating so much pressure helped yeah. them so much. What happens when they face a really good offensive line and they still get some pressure, but not as much pressure? The only thing I got out of the secondary was dumb penalties. Del- yeah, Delarian Turnio picking up a running back and throwing him down on the ground after it's after the play is over. We get it. Delarian, you have big muscles. Your guns are huge. Like he had a few nice hits. Sure, yeah. And then Pat Fields, was it him just kind of showing up the wide receiver down the sideline when the ball is five yards, seven yards overthrown, just bumping into him, letting him know, letting him feel him, letting him know he's there. Yeah. Was it too much? Yeah. Did it lead to a, a Houston score because they gave up like forty-five yards of penalty yards that drive? Yeah. So just stupid penalties. I thought the linebackers. For the most part, the ones were good. I thought the I thought the ones on defense were good in general. Um, again, like I said, you don't if the offense doesn't turn over the ball twice, the kicker doesn't miss the field goals, and they and um, and they don't give up those stupid penalties. I mean, you're looking at a blowout right now instead of forty nine to thirty one. So I think it tempers expectations, which makes me feel better because now I'm not having to like tell people to like, calm down for this uh, UCLA game. Now, what about the offense? I mean, we can off front to back, offensive line, the backfield, wide receivers. What do you think? Well, running back, I mean, Trey Sermon, as far as his cutting, his power, just his decisiveness, his yeah, patience. He slimmed down. He looked yeah, good. he looked very crisp. That hurdle was beautiful. Kennedy Brooks, he had the one long run. We know he's good. There's nothing really to learn there. Ramondre Stevenson, he had that one nice run at the end, got stuffed a few times before that. Mm-hmm. He's enormous. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's we, big. He, that jumped out for sure. I mean, he is a very big guy, and he's, uh, he, you know, Sermon and Brooks, they're both pretty powerful backs. He's the most powerful of the three. So, And then receiver Charleston Rambo, you saw the wheels on full display on that touchdown. He's got some wheels. It, it, it sort of looked... I'm, I'm not saying he's as fast as Hollywood, obviously, but he's very fast. But it's sort of... On that catch and run for a touchdown, it sort of resembled Hollywood in that it looked like he was gliding. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of like yeah. when Hollywood had that touchdown at Oklahoma State where he, he took caught it over the yeah. middle and then just beat everyone on the angle. It, it 
It's like a third and five. Like he he took floating. a slant. It's a third and five. Took a slant. He gets past his guy and boat raced everybody else to the end zone. That's that simple. And he, we knew, we knew he was fast. Jaden Hazelwood's a monster, oh as God. we all knew. <sighs> I was so surprised good. to not see a little more of Trajan Bridges. We saw a lot of A.D. Miller, which good for A.D. Miller, by the way. I was confused. Because he was wearing number five, yeah. He, I was like, who is number five? Well, because he had to give up his number because he tried to transfer to right. Illinois, and then he had his issues there. I, they There was word of an academic yeah, issue yeah. trying to get into grad school. But I was but... just thinking, tra- no Trajan Bridges or Hazelwood to start. A.D. Miller's getting a lot of, and he caught the ball like twice. He's an athletic kid. I mean, he really is. I mean, you saw him when he was a younger guy, yeah. when he was getting his opportunities. He kind of blew it sometimes, not making the plays that he needed I mean, he's, to, but he was clearly a really talented he's kid. He's been on the field since 2015. He was the one that drew the pass interference penalty yep, that's in, correct. at Tennessee. That's correct. He was wearing number 13 at that time. He wore number 12 last year, and now he's wearing number 5. Yeah. So he's man, just confusing people left and right. But offensive line for me, when you're replacing 4 to the 5, they did okay. I mean, it's Houston. Their defense yeah, was bad last year. Horrible defensive front. So, I mean, I, I'm not learning anything from them. Now, the right side of the offensive line, they did great. Um, left side, Marquise Hayes is going to be fine. It's just figuring out that left tackle spot, really. The backfield, and they also need a gel, but the backfield, Jalen Hurts sets a record. Cool, great. Trey Sermon, slimmed down. Uh, he can still deal out some punishment. Um, cuts are better. Kennedy, he looked a bit faster, just in general. Yes. And quicker, yeah. Kennedy Brooks, uh, in his limited amount of carries, he he uh, on his long run he went in and out like twice on some defenders yeah. and just made him look stupid. We know what and he, he can stiff do. Armed, and he's and he's good. I mean, everybody knows how that defensive line is. And then wide receivers, tight ends. I mean, it's it's spoken for. They're just great. I mean, and you I mean, saw Stogner get in there a little bit. Yeah. in goal line situations, which you would expect to see a little bit more of as well. But and, I mean, they're so. There, yeah. All three of those tight ends bring something different to yeah. the table, too. So it's going to be interesting. They're all going to see times in different situations. While, while watching the presser, I think, I can't remember, it was eight or nine guys had at least two receptions because they just spread the ball around so much. And I talked about this during the game. Jalen Hurts, of course, it's his first go in a Lincoln-Riley system. His reads have to be better, have to be quicker. I mean, uh, the first drive or the second drive when he actually was throwing the ball, I was thinking, oh, I don't like that. He's throwing the ball off his back foot, kind of escaping the pocket a little bit too early. And then he settled down, started making some plays, started being more instinctive about it, but... He was incredible, but he was right in criticizing himself. He wasn't yeah. perfect. I mean, I he mean, was. obviously, and Lincoln Riley that's said, what you're going to strive for no matter what. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's going to say no matter what, but... There, he wasn't perfect. I mean, he was fantastic, obviously. But I mean, obviously, there are some things you can see. I mean, that there are plenty of times on. he had Calcaterra, Sermon, somebody wide open for more than two seconds, and then he would rocket it in there and get Calcaterra blown up like two or yeah. three times. And I'm just like, he's gonna see this later on in the season. Calc looked kind of frustrated after yeah. one of them. Yeah, he's he's gonna see this later on in the season. He's gonna get that read down a second earlier. It's gonna make this play a lot better throwing guys open. Those are things Jalen Hurts can get better at, but it's just like I'm splitting hairs right now because the man is like number one on the Heisman list right after that performance. But if he can get his reads down a second earlier, that offense is going to be humming just as fine as it was the last four or five years with Lincoln Riley. No worries there. So my question is, Oklahoma wins 49-31. What do we learn from this game? What did we learn? 
just everything we've gone over. I mean, yeah, just uh, defense looked a little bit better. What, what was better for you? I mean, just the pressure up front, obviously. Pressure up like front. Like we talked about. And just, sure, tackling as well. I mean, there were a few issues. I mean, and you saw with uh, Trey Brown, he missed that tackle yeah. for the touchdown early. Yeah. He was not out there on the next series. It was nope. Jordan Parker on yeah. the next series. So Alex Grinch wasn't messing around about, hey, if you don't tackle, you're not going to play. Yeah. And He's a man of his word. <laughs> yeah, but Trey Brown came back in later, obviously. There's but. a lot. There's accountability, and we learned that Oklahoma, that they seem more in sync with each other. Their tackling was so much better, and a lot of the issues last year stemmed from just missing tackles. And we saw a lot of pursuing of the ball, lots of gang tackling, which I enjoy. Still no turnovers yet. Got close a couple times. Yeah. Um, but really... I'm going to freak out when Buki finally gets a turnover. <laughs> <laughs> He's been so close several times. But really, you've, you've seen the defense take steps in a positive direction. Of course. And today, and we'll talk about another Kenneth Murray quote, but today Kenneth Murray said that Brian Odom is the best linebacker coach in the world. And he, it's Tim Kish and whoever was his high school linebacker. Yeah, coach. he said he's the best linebacker coach in the world because he makes him feel really confident, makes him really understand the game, lets him play fast. He did mention a lot of that at Big 12 Media Days. He said he felt about being held accountable because he made said, it seem like it was the first yeah, time that that had happened. Yeah, and he he said he didn't, he didn't want to get into some stuff, which means he didn't want to talk any. Probably, I'm not putting I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but maybe maybe it seemed like he didn't want to talk any ill will on Mike Stoops and the regime previously that was there. That, that's what it seemed like to me. I could be wrong. But he said he felt very prepared. And I'm like, okay. Like he's and, finally going out there and eating instead of just yes. reading and reacting. And uh, him, to, him to say Brian Odom is the best linebacker coach in the world, I'm like, wow. So what was Tim Kish doing? How, how prepared did you feel when Tim Kish was You know, I never him? really saw him miss any gap assignments. Yeah, I mean, he... he he played well, and he was spying on Derek King, and he was he was closing and just being a monster. But there there were sometimes he was stuck in no man's land. But it was because you either cover that tight end behind you, or you run after Derek King, and basically he just stays in the middle, and he base he limits the amount of yardage either could do, and so he he can be better with that. But Kenneth Murray today. I can't remember who asked him this question, but they asked him about the aggression of the of the defense, and he kind of mentioned that because they said, "Are you afraid of being like, overly aggressive or something to that effect?" And he said, "No, he 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 thinks it's necessary and pretty pretty okay to be overly aggressive." But and he stopped. He said, "Being overly aggressive is good, and you know that's what they want. Overly aggressive, but not undisciplined." I thought that was a really unique talking point. I thought it was a really unique thing he said there because he said there were times they got undisciplined, like those stupid penalties. Those, their eyes maybe were different than what their body should have done. And I thought that was a really good point that, you know, they need to be aggressive and at times overly aggressive, but they need to remain disciplined in their emotions, false steps, and just their calls front to back. I thought that was, I, I really liked that quote from him. Absolutely. Um, Last thing before we got off the pod, Jalen Hurts, after the game, and during the at, during on the sidelines actually before the game was over, he didn't he wasn't smiling ear to ear, and after the game, Holly Rowe kind of goes up to him and was like, "Hey, uh, you know, you just broke some records. You look kind of disappointed." And uh, I mean, you you Google Jalen Hurts, and anything ESPN that pops up is Jalen Hurts disappointed in debut. 
And I have an issue with that. See, when I heard him being interviewed, it never occurred to me that anything about his demeanor or what he said was going to be newsworthy right in any way whatsoever i mean you would think that maybe there would be an article about how jalen hurts is all business and he's uh you know definitely bringing uh, his old coach along with him as far as his mentality is concerned nothing terribly groundbreaking there mm-hmm. and then it i i don't understand how people can twist that and turn it into a negative about jalen hurts or his tone or anything like it yeah. seemed so benign i mean the it, only it, person that said disappointed was holly Rowe. yeah exactly he Nobody never else. said it he seemed dissatisfied yeah which is healthy which is different yeah disappointed suggests that you know i'm not really happy with where i am not really happy in this situation i'm disappointed in, in like what we've done today in comparison to i'm not satisfied because we have so much more work to do and we have so he knows where to get he knows where to be He's been to the pinnacle. He's been to the mountaintop, to, so to speak. He's won that title. He's had that 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 title stripped away. As far as like, he knows you can't rest on your laurels. You can't rest on your laurels. He didn't have it stripped away, but like he was a starter all year. And next thing you know, he gets benched at halftime against Georgia, and no longer is he the national title winning quarterback, even though he did it his thing the entire year. It's Tua uh, Tagovailoa. And so he knows what it takes to get there, and he's not satisfied. And so there are things he knows in his game that Lincoln Riley mentioned that, oh, yeah, they got a lot to work on, even though they, they I think Hoover asked them, like, well, what are some things you got to work on? And he's like, oh, you know, just work on some stuff, kind of like that. And Lincoln Riley was like, yeah, we got a lot to work on after film. I was like, okay, thanks, Link. Um, and um, offensive line, uh, he mentioned with wide receivers, execution, they got to get better, and then, I mean, of course, you know he what he thinks about the defense because they asked him about it, about his unique perspective, and he said they've, take, they've taken positive steps, he said, since last year in the Orange Bowl. Or, you know, they've taken positive steps. Um, but, of course, they— He wasn't having they, all this talk about his record and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, he, he even did bring up the rat poison, which made right. me very excited. Yes. I love that that's come over to the University of Oklahoma. but And, uh, you know, he, he's just— He's not I satisfied. want him to say, now quit asking, or yeah, so quit right. asking, or so whatever. Quit asking. It's going to happen. I'm not going to talk about it, so quit asking. That's oh man. And people today, like, I like Nick Saban. The I, man, I generally do too, yeah. The man is a professional. He gets his shit done. And people don't realize he's won more national titles than Bob Stoops and Barry uh, Switzer combined. Of course, yeah. I mean, and it's... Hello? What was it? Four for Switzer and Stoops. Saban's got five. What? Five. Well, Switzer had three and Stoops had one, so four. Yeah, no, uh, Saban is five. Yeah, Saban is five, yeah. One at LSU and the four at Bama. Yeah. And maybe another one soon, because like, like, they're rolling again. Because it was what? Swi- they looked a little sloppy against Duke offensively, but... It's Duke. They're, I would imagine that Saban will light fine. a fire under their ass, so I'm it was, sure they will come out and destroy some people. Switzer so. was 74, 75, 85, and Stoops was 2000, and then Saban was 2003 against OU, uh-huh. and then whatever this most recent slew yeah, is. It, it was, they've been there. 09, 2011, 2012, 2014, that's four, and then 2016? Yeah, I don't know. Or 20. Right, whatever he's, they've yeah, been he's there so often it's hard, they've been there so often it's hard to keep track yeah. and it's just 
Jalen Hurts comes from the pedigree of a coach's son to learning from Saban. If I my, if my quarterback if my quarterback is learning from a guy like Nick Saban and has that attitude, that's all I want. That guy that that's infectious. Now it's going to help the rest of the team absolutely. If the team loses three games, then it might be a problem. Oh, of course. But, but I, I mean, I think in general this is going to be really beneficial to Spencer Rattler, yeah, of obviously, course. because as we saw in QB one, he. He's a high school. He's a high school teenager. He's yeah. getting immature. It can be a a, a growth uh, a curve. And in you learning. want him to keep some of that spirit. Obviously, yeah. you just want him to sort of harness it in the church channel it in the correct way. It's I true. guess. But but by the time everybody listens to this, it's gonna be Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Uh, what are your plans for the rest of this week going on on the weekend? Well, football again. <laughs> I mean, this is the point of the year where every most social activities involve football or revolve around football in some way. There's fantasy drafts, which we've had ours, a lot of fun. Then, you know, you have Thursday night football, watch parties mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Friday night, you just do your regular Friday night stuff, go out and whatnot. And then Saturday, it usually surrounds OU football. And then Sunday, it surrounds, it involves sitting on the couch and watching the NFL. And then Monday, it's Monday night football. And like, I mean, it's getting this routine. It, 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 I will not lie, it gets a little old sometimes, but you take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Then when it's gone, you're like, oh, well, I get these. What am Wednesday, I going to do? I get these Wednesday night Thunder games. They have 82 games a year. And they're going to suck this year. They are going to suck this year. So. Yeah, I, that's, and that's then my you plan. get baseball. Oh, I'm not a baseball fan, but it's just like, yeah. So that's my that's my weekend plans. Just I'm gonna hit up the Norman versus Norman North game actually at Owen Field on Thursday. Gonna go see the the Moore War on Friday. Saturday is game day for Sooners and the Coyotes. The Yotes. Uh, go Yotes. And then, of course, Sunday's NFL. Monday's NFL, and well, then we're back to. Square one again. <laughs> Here we are again today. Then yo, I, and then after that, yeah, I'm going out on. I think Wednesday is when I'm going out for uh, mm. that game. I'm going to be out there till Monday, so it's going to be a long trip for me. Ooh, and we have. I think I might go to Disneyland. And we have some exciting stuff for the next podcast. But oh we're yes, gonna, we do. We're going to keep that to ourselves. Keep it to ourselves, but because if it falls through, then it would be embarrassing. But. But, I mean... We're going to keep it to ourselves for now, but we might have a very special guest next yeah. week. I mean, we've got the time lined up, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good and set I don't on envision it, it I don't envision it falling through at this point. But I'm very excited. But let's keep it to ourselves. But yes, I'm very excited as well. And so Very that, unique opportunity. That's on, that's on the horizon. But uh, you got anything else? I think I'm good, man. All right, well... Go ahead and follow all of our writings and anything we do on crimsonandcreammachine.com. It's brought to you guys by SB Nation. Uh, you can follow Jack at CC Machine or at his personal account at J. Larry Shields. I'm Kami Robin. You can follow me at KMRobbie and CCM and Alan Kenny. He always breaks down great film, always has great podcasts with great guests at Blake. Now Morrison. he's doing gambling stuff with his brother, the Skinny. I still don't know his brother's real name. He's just the skinny. Yeah, just the skinny. So, but he has good gambling picks too. So, yeah, and, and really I, good gambling podcast. I mean, if Alan's that intelligent with numbers and stuff, I would trust him with my money too. So I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. But uh, yeah, on I know when I was five and two against the spread this week yeah, in my gambling article. So you know, 
listen to me too. I'm sure it won't, you know. Don't listen to me. Regress to the mean or anything like Even that. Even though but. I did pick Oklahoma not to cover, so that was my only same my here, thing. same so here. Got me a Whataburger, so. Follow us on iTunes, rate and review the podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play, and we'll check you guys later.